Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. Today our scripture comes from Romans chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. Lord, we just pray for your goodness, your mercy, your truth, that in this place here, we would receive your word and go from here as your transformed people. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happy little bluebirds fly beyond the rain. 
Well, uh, thank you, Caitlin, and we've been on this journey these past four weeks going with the different characters of uh, the Wizard of Oz and the different needs that they have, and, um, and so uh, beginning next Sunday, Caitlin can dress differently, um, and I know she's excited uh, about that. Um, in, the, in the movie, the, the Wizard of Oz, right before Dorothy sings that song, her Auntie M tells her, find some place where there ain't any trouble. And Dorothy asked Toto, do you suppose there's such a place? And so she longs for somewhere over the rainbow, some place where there isn't any trouble, some place where she can truly and fully be at home, a place in which there's not that trouble. And I think that that's all of our human desires. In fact, one of the strongest human desires is to be home, is to find that place in which we know we belong, in which we just fit, in which is safe and secure, in which everything goes right. We want to find that perfect place. But I don't know about you, but there is trouble everywhere I go. I wasn't expecting to name this country song, but I can't help it. Um, You know, I smell T-R-O-U-B-L-E, right? I knew you were trouble when you walk in. That's a, that's a newer country song. I don't know that one as well. But everywhere we go, there's trouble, right? We, we want our home to be a, a sanctuary for us. We want our, our home, but sometimes there's drama when we get home. Our kids have had a rough day. We've had a rough day. Our spouse has had a rough day. Sometimes we, all we want to do is just go home and rest, but there's no rest at home. Maybe we're supposed to get it when we go to our extended family. Thanksgiving and Christmas, these are the moments in which everybody is supposed to just get along. Apparently, y'all have been to some of these family (laughs) gatherings before. Or maybe somebody's not there. And we can't rejoice because we grieve. Sometimes maybe our workplaces, but there's so much trouble and drama that spreads around there. We've got different clubs and groups that we're a part of, and there's trouble that springs up there. But we have the church, right? We walk into a sanctuary, there's no trouble here. I heard one time, uh, it was in a movie, but a pastor said, you know, um, there is no perfect church. And if there was a perfect church, it would stop being perfect the moment you and I walked into it. And so even in our churches, sometimes we struggle because there's trouble here. We want to find a place of home, a place of belonging, a place in which there is no trouble. Now, the good news is for us as people of faith, and and one of the reasons why we do this is because we believe that God has given us a place of no trouble. We find these words at the very end of the scriptures, Revelation chapter 21, and it says these words, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And what I believe as your pastor is that there is this beautiful place in which there's a new heaven and a new earth, in which the presence of God is with us as it was in the very beginning with Adam and Eve, 
that as they would walk around the garden, so too would God be walking around. And at the end of our story, and by the end I mean a never-ending end of heaven, it is the people of God dwelling in the place of God with fully present with God. This is the good news that somewhere over the rainbow is this beautiful end to our forever story. And for people who follow and trust and who know Jesus, that is the end. But is it possible? Is home possible on this side of the rainbow? Is it possible on this side of heaven for us to find home? Now, the church is not going to be perfect. But I do hope and believe that the church can be heaven-ish. And what I want is that the church, I believe, can be a heavenish home for people who are in a world of trouble. Now, my wife has started to edit my slides, and she said, Aaron, you invented a new word again. Heaven-ish. When we were going through the pandemic at the early stages and we were meeting outside, we talked about being together-ish. But I think that this is what we are trying to be as a church, is a heaven-ish place. The closest representation to heaven on earth, we would hope could be the church. And if we're going to do that, if we're going to be that, is it even possible? How do we do that? Now, here's the good news is that I believe it is possible. I believe that in our scriptures, God tells us and shows us a way. Not that it's easy, but that we can do it. In our Lord's Prayer, we pray, may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is inviting us to invite heaven, the goodness of heaven, down here on earth. Jesus came that we may have life and have it abundantly. He wasn't just talking about a future life in heaven abundantly. I believe he is talking about a life here and now that we can live with Jesus, that we can have heaven on earth. It is possible for us. And so how do we create a heavenly home, a heavenish home here on earth? What does this mean for us as individuals? What does it mean for us as the church? And one of the ways in which we can do that, and probably the initial way we can do that, is to, is to have a place of biblical hospitality. I'm not talking about just restaurant hospitality. I love going to restaurants that take good care of us. I'm not talking about the hospitality industry. I, I, I'm talking about this deep, meaningful biblical hospitality that is more than just handshakes at the door and coffee when you walk in. There's a writer by the name of Henry Nowen, and what he talks about with biblical hospitality is it's about converting our hostilities to hospitality. It's about helping outsiders and strangers become insiders and family. And I love what he wrote. This is an extended quote from one of his books where he talks about some of the movements that we must make. And he said, the second equally important characteristic is the movement by which our hostilities can be converted into hospitality. It is there that our changing relationship to ourself can be brought to fruition in an ever-changing relationship to our fellow human beings. It is there that our reaching out to our inmost being can lead to a reaching out to many strangers whom we meet on our way through life. In our, in our world full of strangers, estranged from their own past, culture, and country, from their neighbors, friends, and family, from their deepest selves and their God, we witness a painful search 
for a hospitable place where life can be lived without fear and where community can be found. And he goes on and says, it is possible for men and women and obligatory for Christians to offer an open and hospitable space where strangers can cast off their strangeness and become fellow human beings. How many times have you thought, that's a strange person over there. How many times have you thought, I don't get them at all. It's so easy in our world today because we, we cast others as strangers. We put others out there as, as others and we don't embrace people where they are, as they are, and who they are. As people who were made in the beloved image of God. We separate ourselves from other people. We, do, we fail to see humanity and instead we see all the mess instead of the person that God created them to be. And it's so easy for us to keep other people at arm's distance. They call us, they're strange, they're weird, they're different, they're others. And what happens is, is that as a church, when we have that air of otherness with people, they want nothing to do with us. I love this quote from Rick Richardson, and it says, Today, people are certainly looking for a community to belong to before a message to believe in. And sometimes what can happen for us as a church is we say, we have a great message. We have the greatest message in the history of the world. Come and hear it. But people aren't coming because they do not feel like they belong, that they will not feel welcomed here People are looking for communities of love and grace. And it is on us to go and to meet people where they are. Now, uh, as a lot of you know, I have two boys. and, And sometimes, this is what happens in the Tiger household, is it is time to go somewhere. Has this ever happened? And, you know, you just, you've already told them many minutes ago, we're about to leave. You know, so do the basic things you do before you leave. Like in the morning, right? You need to brush your teeth. You got to go to school every day, all right? Except Saturday and Sunday. So you need to brush your teeth, you know, feed the dog, you know, do your hair, put on your deodorant. That's very important. That one's easily forgotten. Put on your deodorant, put your shoes on, and walk out the door. Now, every once in a while, as a dad, what I will do is that, is that I will just be kind of frustrated, and I'll say, boys, let's go, and I'll go get into the garage and sit in my car and I'll wait and I'll expect them to come because I showed them the way. Get in the car and sit. You all know how well that works. But yet that's what we do Sunday after Sunday at church. Sunday after Sunday, we get in the church and we wait for people to come and join us. And we know how well that works. People, we have a great message. We're going a great direction. But people will not care how much we know or what we believe until they know how much we care. And they are desperate for people who will connect with them. They are desperate for people who will take them seriously, who will meet them where they are, and who will journey with them. If I want my kids to get ready, I have to walk alongside them. I have to circle behind them. Come on, let's go. 
We've got great places we're going, then let's go them together. It's harder that way, but it's the only way to do it. And if, and occasionally if, they lose a shoe. And gosh, I don't know how they lose shoes, but they lose them. I go look for it with them. Because when people have lost something, they need help finding it. And until they find that, they certainly can't find anything else. So how do we become this place of of biblical hospitality? What does this look like? And so in our scripture, we have a few things that will teach us. And one is that biblical hospitality, it begins with humility. It begins with a posture that truly believes that I am not better than anyone else, that we are called to associate with the lowly. It says, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty. Do not be haughty, right? That's a fun word to say. You can't say haughty without being a little haughty. That's what I just realized. (sighs) Haughty. But associate with the lonely. Never be wise in your own sight. That if we really want to be a place where people who are desperate for a home, who are desperate for love, who are desperate for connection, it has to start with humility. And one of the ways that we do that is that we have to realize that we are different people. And that different people bring different gifts into a community. And that I cannot assume that because of what I know and the way that I've been raised and the way that I've lived that I have it right. But instead, I'm called to associate myself with others and to try to see things from their perspective and to trust that harmony can happen in that midst. Now, uh, I'm not a musical expert. I know just enough to be dangerous. But if we all played the same note, there's no harmony. It's just a note. Now, sometimes what happens is because we have different notes that we play, we get a beautiful harmony chord. Now, every once in a while, I don't know about you, but somebody doesn't get things right, and it's way off, right? This is hard. But if you're, I imagine that our music people and people who've learned music, sometimes you've got to hit the wrong chord first. So you can hit the right chord next. And sometimes even a minor chord. I did that the last service and I was really pleased so I remembered what I did. (laughs) Sometimes the minor chord can help us appreciate the major one. And so this is what it's like to live in community. Is that we, sometimes we have discord on our way to harmony. Sometimes we have to experience the minor so we can enjoy the major. And this begins with how we see ourselves and how we see other people. I've been a church person my whole life. My dad was a pastor. I have, I have been to church almost every single Sunday of my entire life. And as I continue to read the words of Jesus, particularly in the scriptures, one of the things that I am most concerned about is being a Pharisee. Because it's easy for me as somebody who's been to church to see myself as somebody who knows better and who lives better and that I can judge other people. And I have to actively fight against that. And I think that may be true for some of us who've especially been at church in a while. It's easy for us to become Pharisees. It's easy for us to assume that we know the way and that we have the way. But here's what I believe is that there's that every single person can teach us something about ourselves, and something about God. And sometimes we look at people and we think, gosh, how could you believe that? How could you claim to be a Christian and 
say that or do that or believe that. And when we rise ourselves above other people, we are sinning. This is what I believe. Is that when we all get to heaven, there's going to be some people that you're going to be looking over and you're going to think, what are you doing here? And there are going to be some people that might be looking over at you. God let you in? Every Sunday we say the Apostles' Creed. Every Sunday we do that as a reminder because this is what faith is. This is our best understanding, not Mustang United Methodist Church, but the church throughout the centuries. What is the essential part of being Christians? It's those things that are there. That is the essentials. And we say it every week to remind ourselves that's what matters most. But what often can happen in the church is that we take things that are outside of that and we can make that the essentials and we can say you don't belong here if you don't agree with this, that, or the other. And that's not going to be this church. Because when we say you belong here, we mean it. When we say you belong here, it does not matter if you think differently, if you believe strange things. And it's easy for us to be judgmental and wonder, how could anybody with a brain think that way? And the truth is, you and I have never lived anybody else's life. And if you had lived their life, you may very well think exactly like them. If you had had their experiences, if you had had their story, if you had had their parents, you may very well think like them. And so we aren't going to say you don't belong here. We aren't going to imply it. We aren't going to infer it. We are going to walk with one another and we are going to humbly do that. And that's hard work, but it's important work. And we live in a world of division and divisiveness. We live in a world of othering So I want to be real clear. In this place, you can follow Jesus and vote Republican. In this place, you can follow Jesus and vote Democrat. In this place, you can follow Jesus and not vote at all. In this place, you belong here. Whether you cheer for OU OSU, and even Texas. God bless you, Texas fans, if there's any of you out there. You probably didn't even show up today. All right? And Lord knows there's not a Kansas fan in the bunch, all right? Because they'd be the brightest blue Kansas fan right now. No matter what. Because we're not better. We're all the same. We all need Jesus just as much. Biblical hospitality initiates with love. It means that we are prompted by love, that we go to people. I've said before, love goes first. It's, it's, it's that love for others that calls us to move forward. We initiate with love. Hear these hard words of Scripture. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. How easy is it for us to get on the other side and to curse people because of where they are? That's not the way. We meet people where they are. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. We meet people where they are, not where we wish they were. 
So if you're thrilled today, we're going to celebrate with you. If you are mourning today, we're going to mourn with you. We're going to move towards you, not away from you. We're going to move towards the messiness of life, not away from it. Because that is hospitality, is to meet people where they are. It is not mine to get vengeance. It's not mine to make things even. Instead, we choose to live the odd way of loving the person who persecutes us, of loving our enemies, of living radically different lives. Biblical hospitality offers genuine generosity. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live at peace with one another. I wish Paul had written, if possible, so far as it depends on them, live at peace with one another. So far as they're willing to make peace, so too should you try to live at peace. But that's, no, the emphasis is on us. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with one another. Even that person, even those people, the genuineness of our lives is to come through. We genuinely love people because God genuinely loves us. I mean, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world Not God so loved these people, not God so loved the church, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The gospel is not for some, the gospel is for all. And if somehow, some way, you and I can see people not as others, not as them, but as God's created children, I can live peaceably with all. Mr. Rogers once said, there isn't anybody you wouldn't learn to love if you didn't know their story. And some of the people that at one point in time has, have drove me crazy as I've learned their story. I've learned to love them. I've learned to lean in and embrace them where they are and to be present with them. Do not be overcome by evil. Am I all, you guys, evil is a relentless attack on us. The only way evil is overcome is through good. Generosity, goodness, faithfulness, again and again and again and again. If we want to be a place in which you belong here and we mean it, centered on Christ and the goodness that he has for all of us. It's hard work. Evil will come at us. So we must relentlessly pursue goodness and generosity. So throughout this sermon series, we've been talking about what does this mean for us as 2022, as we just take step by step, walking the road of faithfulness. How do we do that? And so one of the ways is that we're going to talk about the hospitality of hello. And so we have, uh, we have people who are serving on our hospitality team, and they do a great job opening doors, welcoming you there, handing out our connection cards. The hospitality of hello matters a great deal. People make a decision about whether or not to come back to a church for a second time within the first seven minutes of them pulling into the parking lot. It's all about how they feel. Think about it. You go to a restaurant, and you... They look busy and they're walking around and nobody greets you and it takes a while to get your food. No matter how good the spaghetti is, you aren't going to go back, right? No matter how good they sing, 
No matter how good or bad I preach, people have already made the decision by the time I stand up here about whether or not they're going to come back a second time based on how we make them feel. And so we need as many people as possible to be trained to be part of the hospitality team, to serve as door greeters, to serve as hosts, to serve as ushers, to welcome people genuinely, to have various levels so that we make sure that we connect with people. Because there's so much anxiety that happens when people come. Now here's the thing. We need to do that extremely well. But that is not enough. Because we could offer a handshake and a hug to every person who walked in. But what they're looking for, and I talked about this last week, is they're not looking for friend. They're not looking for a friendly church. They're looking for friends at church. And so people are looking for people that they can invest their lives in. And so we have to have a hospitality of heart. Now, what, is, what does that mean to have a hospitality of heart? I'm going to, tell, I'm going to share two stories quickly. I want to tell you about a guy named Michael. When Heather and I were at, working at a church in Norman, we were in our 20s at the time. So anytime there was anybody young, they would come and find us. Hey, there's a young person here. Will you talk with them? Sure. And so Michael came to church. Now, Michael looked a little rough, and Michael had tattoos on the side of his eyes. What are you doing here? We didn't ask it that way, but that was what I was wondering. And so we had a conversation with him. Why are you here? And he was telling the story about how he got involved with some gangs and a drug thing, and he was scared for his life. And he promised God that if he got out, he'd come to church. He got out. We were the closest church in the neighborhood. He walked a few blocks to the church, and he was there desperate. I wish I could tell you a good ending to the story, but I don't know it. Michael was there for a few months, and then he left. We never pursued him. We never followed him. I don't know what happened, but I wonder, did he find the community and the love he was looking for more in the church or more in the gang? If people are looking for love, they're looking to belong. Why is it so hard sometimes to find it? Every time somebody walks into church, they have a big reason, a big why. Maybe they're new to a community. Maybe they've been hurt by a previous church. Maybe something happened in their life and they knew they needed to make life right with God. That's the story of a guy named Nick. I tried to track down Nick too because I remembered his last name, Nick Smith. Try Googling Nick Smith on Facebook and seeing what comes up. We have no mutual friends. I don't know whatever happened to Nick Smith. Nick looked a little more young, professional. He fit in a little bit better, but Nick was still a stranger. Nick alluded that there was something in his life that caused him to want to come to church. He would drive by, he saw our church, and that's why he stopped there. But just like Michael, even after we made some attempts, Nick disappeared. And I don't know what happened to Nick Smith. I wonder where he found love. I wonder where he found family. I wonder if he's still looking for it somewhere over the rainbow. Every Sunday, we have a chance. Every week, we have a chance to be the very presence of God for people who are walking in and who are looking for a place to belong. And so to those of you who, are, who have been here a thousand times, and to those of you who are here for the very first time or second time, we want to be the place in which our hearts connect. We aren't always going to be perfect, but we're going to do our best to try to connect you to God and connect to one another.
And we want to do that through the hospitality of generosity. It says contribute to the needs of saints. Generosity is good for us. We want to create and cultivate generous people who are continually giving of themselves to others. One of the ways we do that is financially. I'm going to encourage you to fill out the card. I'm not going to talk a lot about this. I'm just going to trust this to God. If God stirs in your heart to do this, please do it. Just follow God's leading. If you want to be a more generous person, start. one of the ways you can do it is starting with your finances and then moving on. Our expenses as a church go up year after year. And if your gift stays the same, then we're falling behind. If you haven't stepped up, stepped forward in a while in your journey, we'd love for you to do that. But not just because of the needs of our church, but mainly because of the needs of our hearts and the hearts of other people. Because we want to be a place for as many people as possible. We want to be a place in which people genuinely feel the love of God. My friends, the odds are stacked against us. The world is trying to divide us. The world is trying to divide the church. The world is trying to get as much separation. And everything that we're going to see and hear is going to say, others, others, others. But we're really not that different. So as I was preparing this, I thought of a Colin Ray song. You all voted to hear another 90s country song on Facebook in our group. And so he has a song, and it's about this couple who are very different. And these are the lyrics. She said we're much too different. We're from two separate worlds. And he admitted she was partly right. But in his heart's defense, he told her what they had in common was strong enough to bond them for life. He said, look beyond your own soul, and the person that you'll see just might remind you of me. I laugh, I love, I hope, I try. I hurt, I need, I fear, I cry. And I know you do the same things too. So we're really not that different, me and you. so easy for us to notice our differences, so easy for us to notice the ways that we think and believe and see the world differently, and it's easy to get caught up in that, but let's get caught up in the other. Let's get caught up in the fact that Jesus died for them just as much as he died for me, and that we can live this way. What if it became absolutely true? that this was the most heavenish place on earth. Let us pray. So Lord, we pray. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.